Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. It was Yeovil away that he ended up getting. He got sacked after. Obviously, the, the feeling amongst the fans at the time was that they wanted him out. Obviously, being being in the in the in the team in the squad, how was that for you as as a, as a group of players? Like, does it does it play on your mind? Are you sort of going into games thinking now oh, the manager's probably going to be gone after this? Or yeah, I think you know players are not naive. You you know. You know, especially with with a bigger club like Preston, you you know what the fans are thinking. Um, the fans, you know, let let them let their opinions known, and you know, you know, game on game, if the if the pressure's mounting, or if the fans are on your side, if the fans are on the players' side, if the you know if the fans are on the manager's side, and, you know, we were under no illusions. We were we were you know too low down in the league from what we should have been. We were underachieving. Um, and that the pressure was on him and obviously you know I was actually injured that game but um, you know the pressure was mounting certainly game on game there was a lot of unrest in the crowd and he was getting a lot of stick um, you know personally which is you know it's always tough you you know you you never want to see a manager lose a job Um, and you know when the news did come through it was obviously disappointing because you know he's obviously brought me to the club so I'll, I'll always be thankful for that but you know, sometimes it just doesn't work out. We, like I say, we were we weren't in an acceptable position in the league, um, and you know, at the time, having looked back on it now, it was obviously the right decision because you know we brought Simon Grayson in, and from there we, you know, we progressed and we ended up, you know, getting the promotion that we were after. How did you find that then? Obviously, the move from Graham to Simon, quite. I would imagine it was quite different. Yeah, so totally different to be honest. Chalk and cheese, obviously, their management styles near enough polar opposites. Um, you know, you've got Graham who wants you to speak at all times, wants to get in your head, wants to understand what you're thinking, wants to know what's going on at all times. Um, and then Simon's come in, who's totally the opposite, really laid back, quite quite an actual shy guy in, in some senses. Didn't didn't like too much conflict and and confrontation, and just like things, you know, running smoothly and, and fairly fairly laid back so it was a you know it was a totally different management style but um you know obviously with the players that we had and and the performances that we put in going forward it you know we we rose up the league slightly and you know the following season was obviously a big improvement so um yeah you know it it obviously worked yeah i mean obviously the following season was the rotherham playoff season um yeah how from a personal point of view, with Simon coming in, how did you find it? Like, did you did you think this is this is going to be tough? I'm maybe going to because obviously bringing his own players in, like, were you thinking there's going to be a battle on here for me to nail down a place? Or yeah, um, yeah, you know, obviously with any manager when they come in, they always say this, you know, it's a clean slate and <clears throat> this, that, and the other. But um, you know. I I wasn't you know I'd only been known in that league for for one one season so I wasn't a I wasn't massively experienced at that level I wasn't a, a big name or anything so um you know I was fully aware that he was going to bring his own own players in as well which you know we needed you know as a player you always want you know the best players around you that you can and like I say because we wanted that promotion we knew we needed to improve you know I I played you know quite a few games under him still I. You know, he again. I played up front to start with when he came in, and the second season is when I um, predominantly played centre back. Um, played yeah. centre in the field a few a few times, but not too many. And um, but, but Simon was very he's very quiet. I didn't didn't speak to the players a lot personally. It was more a group thing and the training, etc. Yeah. Um, and I always sort of found you never really knew where you stood with him. It was right. you know if you had to sort of judge it from whether you were in the team or not, whether he was yeah. pleased with you, basically. Um, and that's just how it was, and it, it stayed 
that way all the way through. It was, I say, as a footballer, you always back yourself and you back your own ability to play games. So I just thought if I was in the team and playing well, that I would play. And, um, and that's probably the case, to be honest, looking back through it, you know, predominantly if if you'd been playing well and, you, and the team had been doing well, then you would keep your place and you would play. Yeah. Um, what what was the, the sort of, obviously heading into those two semi-finals against Rotherham, um, what was <coughs> what was like the mood like in, in, the, in the group? Um, yeah, pretty good. Obviously, there was a lot of, um, there was a lot of talk about our playoff record, um, which I can't remember at the time. It's maybe it was like eight, eight losses or something like that on the spin. Yeah. Um, so there was a lot of talk about that, but um, you know, I can only speak personally. I, I didn't really see that as a problem. Um, I thought the team we had were, were more than good enough to get promotion that season. And you know, Rotherham were were high flying. They you know they'd won a lot of games late on, and you know they they were on a good roll. Um, but you know, I still think our team personally, you know, individually was better. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I played both of those games and, um, you know, key moments in both games, which is the same with, you know, m- most big games, you know, change things. And um, I personally made a mistake in the first game. I got too tight to Alex Rebel on the touchline slightly. He had a bad touch and it ended up going over my head and he went through and scored, um, which was obviously disappointing. But, um, you know, and obviously Garn scored that, that that goal in the in that game to, to give us a chance in the second leg. Um, yeah. you know, it's obviously always difficult to go away from home in the second leg and without an advantage. Um, and it wasn't to be, but, um, you know, it, it, it was so disappointing. That's probably the, the most disappointed I've been when I've been at Preston, you know, to lose in that with, you know, so many people watching and so much, such good support, um, you know, with a trip to Wembley at stake. It was, um, you know, I remember being on that pitch with the pitch invasion that year and, Seeing everyone celebrate while your while your seasons you know come to an end is is probably the lowest part in my career, I'd say. Yeah. Um, would you say then that game at Deepdale against Rotherham was the biggest game in your career to that point? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I definitely say that. I say it was the it was you know ultimately for to get to Wembley and for promotion into the yeah. championship. Until that point, I played in playoff games, but only to you know to get to Leeds at a lower standard. So. You know, it was certainly um, certainly the most important game of my career, um, or both games, obviously, as it turned out. But um, you know, and other than that, that mistake, you know, in the first leg, um, I thought I did pretty well. I actually, I actually scored in the in the second leg, but Galley claimed it. He took a free kick. He whipped a free kick in for the. I think it was to put us one up, one nil up. Yeah. Um, it was early on, wasn't it? About 15, yeah, 20, 15, 20 minutes. Yeah, and, like yeah. and, I, and I got across. I was actually Alex Ravel was marking me. I remember because I spoke to him. In, Later down my career, he was. Um, he, I played with him at Stevenage, and he was marking me, and he and he mentioned the goal, and I said, "Yeah, I never ever got credited with it. It was Galley that Galley that ran off celebrating at the time. I, I didn't really care. I was just off, and obviously we were winning the we were winning the game, so I didn't really mind. But um, yeah, so you know, it, sort of having gone one up as well, it's you know we conceded. I think it was a header late on, sort of fairly late on in the first half. And, yeah. That probably just just tilted it a bit. If we could have gone in at half time one up, I think it would have made a big difference. But yeah. um, you know, credit to Rotherham, they they ran out you know worthy winners in the end, and obviously got, went on and, and won the final. Yeah, um, obviously next season then were, were you did you play that much that that promotion season or yeah? So I started off. I was in the team to start with. Yeah. Um, the way that season panned out was you know again was was quite tough personally. We. We were we were doing okay. We were sort of up towards the top of the league. Um, I remember Tom Clark was in, got injured. Um, I was sort of third choice at the time. We were playing three centre backs or two centre backs, and I was playing. Say Clarky got injured, and it was me and Bailey Wright playing. He then got injured, and and Hunts came into the team. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was me and Hunty playing. We were on a good run. I think we'd won around. I think it was around. Maybe just November, December time, we'd won six on the spin. Yeah, um, we'd beat we'd beaten Gillingham away and Leighton Orient away and a few other teams, and we were on a good run. And I never forget we played. We had Rochdale away. Um, we had a team meeting before the game, as as we always did, and you know found the team out and was fully expecting to play us there. We'd done well and we'd won six on the spin. I think we'd kept three or four clean sheets in that time. Um, so me and Hunty had done well, but in the previous game, Clarkie was fit. He came on. He, he came on off the bench against Orient um, just to see the game out and 
Um, we had the team meeting and sort of I remember Simon Grayson saying, look, it's a bit harsh, but um, Tom Clark's captain, he comes back into the team in, in place of Jack King. Um, and, it, you know, I was gutted, to be honest. Like I say, yeah. I, I, sort of, I felt I deserved to keep my place. Um, and, you know, and a lot of the lads had sort of not consult me because I wasn't, you know, but they, you know, they'd spoken to me afterwards and just said, yeah. look, you, you deserve to be in the team and keep your head up, et cetera, whatever. Um, you know, I, I sort of got on with it. It was, it was um, something that I didn't think I deserved, but, um, you know, I, I know Hunty had scored a, I think he scored two or three in that, in that sort of five or six game spell. So, um, and he, and he done well as well. So, you know, neither of us really deserved to, to be dropped, but, um, you know, Clarkey came back into the team and then in, ter- in time, um, Bailey Wright got injured. Um, I'd been in, you know, spoke to the manager in that time because, you know, I'm not the sort of player that's just going to sit back and, and accept decisions like that. I went yeah. and spoke to him and sort of wanted, wanted an explanation for why I'd been dropped. And to be honest, he didn't really have one. He just said, look, you've been doing well, but Clarkey's captain and that's the team I went with. Um, you know, in hindsight, sort of looking back on it now, I probably shouldn't have gone in and spoke to him. I was a bit more outspoken at the time on, you know, when I, when I did get dropped, I wanted to know why and I wanted to know sort of the reasons for it. And, um, you know, looking back now, I think, you know, certainly with Simon Grayson, um, he sort of prefers you to just get your head down, keep your mouth shut and, and get on with it and, yeah. um, you know, work hard in training. And, you know, I, I always used to work hard in training, but I sort of obviously wasn't going to just take decisions like that lying down and, you know, with with a lot of managers, that's what they want. They want you to show that you're, you know, you're disappointed, etc. But I think with Simon, he's he probably doesn't really appreciate that sort of confrontation. Yeah. And um, you know, it, it, you know, in in that case, I think you've probably seen with Paul Huntingdon. He um he was sort of probably a bit less confrontational than me and kept his head down. And despite despite them trying to loan him out um, a number of times in in the off season prior to that season, um, he didn't go. He kept his head down he kept quiet he worked hard and you know it's obviously paid dividends for him because he's been you know he's been outstanding for the club in his time there and he's worked his way back in as being a you know a key member of the team now in the championship that are looking to get in the Premier League so um you know certainly something I've learned learned in my time is you know 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 what a manager wants from you and try and learn that quick and I think experience tells you that I say I was a bit more a bit more um, reactive at the time rather than you know proactive so it's um you know, I look back on that game and, and I barely played a game for the club after that. I think I probably only played, I made a, I made a, a few substitution appearances, but I probably only, only started about three or four more games that season. Yeah. Um, I still, I think I still made about 28 appearances, 30 appearances, something like that. But it's obviously, it's tough when you find yourselves either on the bench and then in turn out, out of the, uh, out of the squad to, when you're, you know, especially when the team's doing so well and you want to be part of it, you, you still don't quite feel know as part as it as part of it if you were playing you know in yeah. games as, as, as opposed to be watching as a fan you know I suppose it, it must have been frustrating as well considering you started the season like you said you of went course. through that so good spell if I, you know if it had been the other way around then you you come good late on in the season it's a totally different kettle of fish mm. um, you probably saw that with Jordan Hugo he he was um, you know probably surplus to requirements um, at one stage got loaned out to Hartlepool um, and then obviously came back at the right time, you know, was in form and ended up, you know, playing a part at Wembley. So um, I don't even know how many appearances he made that year. But yeah, certainly if you'd have offered me, you know, 20 odd appearances, I'd have took it at the end yeah. of the season rather rather than the start because it's, you know, it's often forgot. But, um, you know, I still feel I played my part and, you know, it was obviously still a, still a great occasion. But yeah, um, yeah certainly bittersweet if you're, you know, if you're not actually playing. So the playoffs then, that obviously the promotion season. Yeah. We go away to Colchester knowing that a win is was promoted. Yeah. What 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 was the feeling like in in the build up to that? Was because there, there was obviously at the time there was a mix of like young lads and experienced lads. Do yeah. you th- do you think that maybe maybe not a cliche but what I would imagine most people would think is that the young lads would maybe struggle with it, and the older lads or the more experienced lads are the ones that are sort of rallying around them. Was was that the case, or was it just? Um, I think no, no one really thought too much into it. I say we, uh, you know, personally, I believe that team and that squad should have won the league that year. I thought we were better yeah. than Bristol City. Um, I thought it was a mistake on our part that we were where we were in second. Yeah. 
Um, but we still had every confidence that we were going to get promoted. You know, everything, everything was in place from sort of a month, you know, previous to that, you know, for promotion. Um, and we were, you know, we were fully, fully focused on getting that. And, um, I remember the Colchester game, they, I think they needed to win to stay up or they were, yeah. they were certainly right down there. Um, you know, they had a, they had the worst defensive record in the league, I think at the time. And, um, we had, you know, we had a team meeting and the team got read out. Um, I was, I remember being slightly shocked at the team. Actually, we played, we went three, five, two, which I thought, you know, may, may have been a bit of a mistake because that was generally our more defensive sort of away, away sort of formation. We, we tended to play a bit more attacking at home or when we were, when we were going at teams. And I remember thinking that, um, three, five, two was maybe slightly defensive against, against that team. And we should have, should have probably yeah. attacked them a bit more, but you know, we were, it was more than good enough to, to beat them. Don't get me wrong. And, uh, you know, we weren't at it that day. It was, you know, it was so disappointing. We we kept hearing cheers from the home end. Every time MK Don scored, I think they routed some team. And, you know, obviously the pressure began to build. We missed a few chances and, and they nicked one late on, which um, I think in the end kept them up. So, yeah, I think it um, such a disappointing day. You know, we everything was there. We, you know, it was in our hands and we, and we let ourselves down. It was such a big travelling support. Mm. Um and you know we went back into that changing room and no one really spoke to start with everyone was so disappointed it was just silent everyone was you know hurting so much especially yeah. with with what had happened the season before with losing in the playoffs um the record that we had and you know the messages that we we were getting from the, the fans on social media etc um you know we sort of thought we'd let the fans down etc and at that time the last thing you want to do is play in the playoffs you know it's promotions in your hands the season's about to end and you know and you throw it all away on the last day having worked so hard to, to be where we three were games, potentially, exactly yeah that. so you know it was tough but um you know you get over it there was I, mean, I remember i think it was on facebook or one of the others we, we were all, a lot of the players were tagged in a post and from one of the fans and it was just said you're a bunch of bottle jobs and um gutless you don't play for the club this that and the other and it was you know it was tough it's tough to read but you know, it made us all the more determined. We, like yeah. I say, even even the previous year, I don't think, you know, records are there to be broken. I don't think any player went into those playoffs the first year or the second year thinking, oh, we've got a terrible record. There's no way we can win this. We were always fully confident. And, yeah. you know, it, it obviously turned out pretty well in the end in the playoffs for us. Yeah, yeah. Just on the social media thing, do you think fans need to, obviously there's, this season, I think in particular, there's been a lot said around social media in general how it impacts people's mental health and all that sort of stuff but from from specifically from a football point of view do you think fans perhaps need to be a little bit more considerate towards what the the players think and how how they interpret things because i see probably more so on facebook i see a lot of people that and this is no slight on my dad but probably at my dad's age uh, my dad doesn't do it, but probably more of my yeah. dad's age that are of the mindset of well, the the professional footballers they get paid, so they should be able to take it. But yeah, I mean, obviously, social media is a as an option. You don't have to be on social media. So if yeah. you're if you're the type of player that's going to be affected by you know what's said to you and you know being criticised, then it's probably not the place for you to be. If you know if you've yeah. got the strength and character to. You know, if you're going to see it to sort of dust it off and either, you know, make you a better player or whatever, then, you know, that's fine. But um, I, I don't think, especially for young lads, it doesn't come easy early on. You, you, I think you sort of, yeah, you harden your shell up a little bit as time goes on and the more you see and, and you're going to get that. The, you know, the bigger club you're at with the more fan base, you, you're going to get more and more messages. You know, I, I, could, I could have a bad game for Ebsfleet and I might, might not get a single message, but yeah. you, have a bad game for Ch- you have a bad game for Preston you're going to get 10 or 20 messages telling you you had a bad game. And, you know, that's part and parcel of it. I think, I think there's a line with it. Um, I think criticism is, is okay when it's not personal and it's, um, it's not just for the sake of it. Mm. Um, you know, you do see some ridiculous messages that are for no benefit of anyone really. It's just whether they're just doing it to look good in front of their friends or, you know, keyboard warriors, etc. A lot of them hide yeah. behind fake accounts and stuff. And, you know, I've, I've certainly found, I've, very rarely had any criticism to my face one-on-one you know people generally when they meet you are very friendly etc but yeah. they might be the ones that sit behind their keyboard and you know they might say something you know derogatory or personal etc which 
you know, I don't agree with at all. Um, you know, at the end of the day, footballers are just are just general people who play football. That's, you know, yeah. um, we're no different to anyone else. Like I say, you know, I could have been one month before I signed for the club. I was just working on a building site, and then you know, a month later, I'm you know, I'm playing for Preston. So it's there's no there's no change in my my personality there. So there's yeah. no you know that you know no one no one had come on on my Twitter when I was working and say, you know, I didn't lay that patio right and start slagging my family off and this, that <laughs> yeah. and the other. So, um, you know, that, you know, but, you know, I fully get it that, you know, the fans pay their money so they have an opinion and they have a right, but, you know, I'm a, probably of the belief that those opinions probably should be kept on to forums and things like that, which, you know, are designed for that. Yeah, and, um, among, and probably not. friends and, and whatnot. Of course, yeah, you know, you've got to accept it and, you know, it's part and parcel of it, you're always going to get it, but, you know, I do think there is a line with it and, you know, maybe we're at the time now where, you know, social media should be verified so that people are, you know, held accountable for the yeah. things they say and the things they write. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'd agree with that. So the playoff semi-finals, obviously going away to Chesterfield, we get, we get the goal early on. Um, what, what's, what's the thinking coming back to Deepdale? Is it, you know, we can, we can do a job on these and get to Wembley or is it just, it's another game, we need to win it? Yeah, I think, like I say, in football, you can never really take anything for granted. Like I say, we, even in, this, in the second leg of the, the year previous, we, we were winning in the second leg. So you can never take anything for granted. But, um, you know, at the time, we had, you know, Joe Garner and uh, Beckford who were on fire. Um, we had John Welsh in midfield, who was, for me, probably one of the key factors in this getting promotion that year. He was outstanding yeah. for me when he came into the team. Um, he, he, again, found himself out of the team at the start of the season. and. Um, you know, we went through a bit more experience in midfield, you know, with him. And I think that was one of the, the key changes that, that got us promotion. He was probably an unsung hero that year. Obviously, Bex will take all the plaudits and, and Garns because of the goals they scored. But for me, John Welsh was probably up there with them um, as a, you know, as a key player. And, um, you know, but we were, we were confident. And I say, what, what I found with Bex, he, he tends to turn it on when the cameras are there and when he needs to. He's a yeah. big game player, and um, you know, day to day in training, he wasn't wasn't outstanding. He got through it and he did did what he had to do. But when it mattered and in the games that you needed him, he produced. And towards the end of that season, they were both on fire. There was, you know, I think they were a perfect match. You, you know, they were good for for each other. Garns Garns did a lot of the dirty work, and you know, Bex, yeah. Bex had the the class and the, the coolness to finish a lot of it off. And um, he obviously showed that in in the semi-final and the final. Um, you know, like I say, I was, again, I was out of the squad in, in all three of those games, but, you know, having watched it, we we ended up, um, you know, pretty much cruising through that semi-final. We, we were, um, you know, maybe, maybe the season before stood us in good stead and we had that experience yeah. and the know-how. Um, and, you know, I say, in the end, we, we played really well and, and came through it flying colours. So you played in the game that Joe scored. In, in yeah. the season before, and then obviously you yeah. saw Jermaine's goal. Yeah. If you were to pick one, which uh, one? I would probably say Joe's one, just because if you had to ask me which was harder to score, it'd be Joe's. Um, the yeah. touch, the the two touches, and the finish were harder. Bex is obviously further out, and he actually slipped when he kicked it. So whether yeah. whether there was a bit of luck involved, I don't know. But he. Um, <laughs> Yeah, obviously both goals are outstanding, and you know um, it sort of capped it capped a good day for the club when when that did go in. I remember I remember it going in, and I was up the up the top above the boxes above the stand actually, and um, you know we were celebrating like mad, knowing we were going to Wembley, and we were just one step away. But I'd say yeah. out of the two, I think probably Joe's goal was was the better out of the two. What so what was it like then after that 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 win? Um, was it? Obviously, was, the, the players and, and the fans were all on the pitch together. But was it back in the dressing room and just switch um, on? Yeah, We've got so, to think about. We, me, I mean, me personally, I was actually in the in the tunnel when it was when everyone was celebrating. I didn't really run out onto the pitch too much, but obviously, a lot of the players got caught up with the fans and yeah. and the celebrations. It took a while to die down. Um, and actually, I was actually stood next to Simon Grace, and I remember um, Ian Everett come running in at obviously Chesterfield centre half, and he said. He said, uh, he said one of the fans had hit him and spat him or done this, that, and the other. He weren't happy. And I remember Simon Grayson just laughing, saying, Evo, what do you want me to do about it? And he, obviously, <laughs> he wasn't too, too, too fast about it at the time. Um, 
but yeah, we obviously every, everyone managed to get back in the changing room, and you know there were some celebrations. It was you know it wasn't full out. It was you know that we, we were celebrating that we got to Wembley, but we knew that we knew the job weren't done. But yeah, um, you know it's certainly a relief to go one step further than than we've done. Um, you know, with the previous year, um, obviously knowing that we were facing Swindon, who we'd already beaten, you know, not long before that, it was, yeah. um, you know, it was obviously pleasing. Um, was it frustrating for you? Obviously, not like you said, not being involved. Yeah, of course it is. You know, when when the lads are there celebrating in the kit, and you know they've just played ninety minutes, um, <clears throat> and you're, you know, you stood in your suit, and um, you know you can't. You, you, obviously, you're celebrating because you, you're part of that squad and you know, you're part of the reason that the club is there. But, um, you know, it's, it, if anyone tells you that the celebrations are the same, they'd be lying. It's not, it's totally, it's not at all. Yeah. Um, you know, it's difficult, but, you know, I was, you're obviously still delighted for the club and your teammates, etc. So, um, it's certainly bittersweet. Yeah. Um, over a hundred appearances, I think you got in the end for, for North End. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's obviously pleasing. Um, if you'd probably offered me that, you know, at the, at the start when I first signed, I probably would, you know, I would snatch your hand off. It's, you know, for such a, a great club with, with great history, it's it's obviously really pleasing to play so many games and, you know, how it turned out in the end of, you know, getting promotion and then and then, um, and then then leaving. It's, you know, I'd have liked to have made a, a lot more and I'd like to have played there for a lot longer. You know, I'd like to still be there now, but it wasn't to be. That's, that's the way football goes. Yeah. Um, and it, you know, it worked that I had to move on in the end, which, you know, was obviously disappointing because I, I loved it there and I had a lot of friends in the local area and, you know, obviously being living somewhere for three years, you become, you know, part of the furniture and, you know, I uh, I love living up there and, you know, I still hold a, you know, I speak to a lot of the, the people that are still around the club and yeah. friends, etc. So it's, um you know, certainly, you know, I'm uh, getting towards retirement age now as well. So I'll certainly be back up there for a few games when, um, when I hang the boots up. Yeah. Did you sort of know then that you were going to be be let go at the end of the, that season? Or? No, well, I did in the end. So basically, how it happened um, generally when you're at in your final year of your contract, you if you're going to get a new one, you tend to discuss it around October, November time. Right. Um, you're obviously if you can, you're obviously free to speak to other teams in January onwards when you're in the final year of your contract. So yeah. um, my agent has spoken to the club. The information that he was given were. Um, Basically, there were six players that the club wanted to sign if we were in League One next year, the season after, or the Championship. Um, and I was part of the six. So discussions went on about a contract extension. Um, they sort of they dragged on a bit. We had a we were a little, our form was a little bit up and down around sort of Christmas and then January time. So discussions stalled. Um, and I remember my agent asking Peter Ridsdale for the sort of. Um, the lowdown on it around January and Peter said look we'll, we'll get January out of the way um, we've been in bad form so um, we can't be seen to be we can't be seen to be offering new deals out of this time and then we'll go from there and that's funny enough when I actually found myself out of the team I came out, out of the team to start with them on the bench um, and obviously well, in the end sort of got pushed down the pecking order a bit so I, I went from being in, in a six that we're going to be offered in whatever level we were at to probably um, I wouldn't have even been offered one at League One, but at the time, Peter Ridsdale was still saying that a new contract was there, a new contract was there. But as it as it were towards the end of the season, all the lads were told the same: there'll be no new contracts until the end of the season when we know what's happening. Yeah, um, which was fair enough. The club obviously has to look at, look after their own interests. I suppose um, at least everyone's in the same boat as well. Though, of course, they? yeah. So it was obviously disappointing not to get a new deal over the line, but um, you know, the club had to look after themselves. They they um they showed their intent and you know at the time I was at the team um so I sort of as time went on you, you sort of think oh maybe maybe and then towards the sort of last 10 games I, I knew full well you know I wasn't wasn't really the manager's yeah. option He'd, he I think I only started about three games towards the end of that season um and I think in one one of them I think my last start for the club was Bristol City at home which I ended up I got. I actually got man on the match in, and then still didn't play the week after. So I, I knew. I knew. Um, yeah. I knew he'd made his mind up on me, and I knew I wasn't his flavour. And um, you know, he had his own players, and and the, the team ended up doing well. So yeah, um, that's just the way football goes. There's no animosity, and so I've, I've been. Uh, I've seen Simon out for drinks when I've been out with Joe Garner recently, and you know, we we have a laugh about it and stuff. Yeah. It's um, it's just the way football goes. I say it can work. It can work for or against you. 
Um, you can have a dip in form and come out of the team or vice versa. Someone else can have a dip in form and you find yourself in the team and, and get a new deal. And that's just how it goes. I, you know, I fully accept that. I've, I've been around long enough to know what goes on. Um, yeah. You know, at the time, the club was still saying, um, we're still in communications about new deals and still saying, no, there, there'll be something there for you at the end of the season. But I, I knew in my mind, even if I signed that, um, you know, I wasn't going to play much the, the season after. And, um, you know, at, at that age, I just wanted to play games. So, yeah. Started speaking to other clubs and had my meeting with Simon at the end of the season. He he said to me, "Look, there's going to be no contract there for you, etc." Blah blah blah. And I said, "No, nah, I fully accept that." Um, you know, we shook hands on good terms. And um, that afternoon, I went up to. I'd already spoke to Scunthorpe, and I went up to to Scunthorpe and signed a two year deal up there. Fair enough. I can't remember who who it was against, but obviously there's the the handcuff celebration. Um, do you want to talk me through it? Yeah, so it's sort of a bit of a strange one, really. We um, we turned up to training as normal on. I'm not not exactly sure what day it was, to be honest. Um, it would have been uh, fairly fairly early in the week, I think. Um, turned up to training and as normal, everyone's doing their own individual bits and bits and bobs, people in the gym, etc. Um, and I remember Clint Snowden come up to I think it was Keith Keane and Bailey Wright. And, and said, you, you boys are in trouble. Um, you know, just, and Glyn's obviously a bit of a joker. So, yeah. you know, um, boys just started laughing really said, oh, the gaffer, you need to, gaffer wants to see you in his office. So anyway, no one thought anything of it. Then them two lads went off into the gaffer's office. You know, a while, a while had passed and, you know, nothing had happened. Um, boys didn't really say anything. And next thing you know, both, both lads are getting led out of the training ground by, um, by you know the, what transpires to be the um, NCA, I think it is the National Crime Agency. Yeah. Um, which obviously we didn't have a clue what was going on. Nothing was allowed to be said because it was all private. Um, yeah. And at the time, I lived with Bailey, so we shared a house. And you know, again, we we're at training, all speculating what you know what could have what could have gone on. No one really knew what what was going on. Why why they'd been taken away. Um, and then training, I remember training finished. I, I was obviously traveling in with Bailey. So I, um, luckily it was in my car. I managed to manage to get home. As soon as I pulled up onto my driveway, I see a load of plain clothes guys, uh, stood outside my house, some, some inside. And basically as I walked into the sort of kitchen diner, a load of the load of my possessions and Bailey's possessions was all bagged up in clear bags. Um, again, at the time, I didn't have a clue what was going on. Yeah, you know, a guy, took, a guy took me to the side and, and just said, "Look, um, your housemate has been has been arrested. We can't say on what charges, um, or has been taken in, etc. Um, we can't say what for, but um, we've we've bagged up everything out of his room and the communal areas. What you know, what we need to have. Um, we've we've left everything in my room." Um, and sort of obviously at that time my mind was racing I, I didn't have a clue what was going on um, I'm panicking for Bailey because I'm obviously you know I'm thinking what what could it what could it be for there was yeah. you know there was no indications of any any wrongdoing at any time I was going to say you're, so. you're living with him aren't you so you, you're course, probably thinking so. if he's done anything I'd have in theory noticed what he what he'd, yeah, what yeah. he'd done yeah so yeah we, we, we socialised together off the pitch so it was I'm thinking you know is there any is it, has he been in a fight or is it you know anything like that yeah um, and there was nothing so you know I really couldn't, didn't have a clue, and obviously he had his phones, etc., all taken off him. Um, I had a girlfriend at the time, and her laptop got taken. So um, you know they didn't know who whose stuff was what, so they had to take everything. Yeah. Um, anyway, obviously further down the line, it sort of came out what it, what it was all about. He got released later that evening, um, and obviously just sort of filled me in on what had happened, and said that a, a number of players had had been arrested on this case of. Um, I think they called it spot fixing. So it was yeah. to do with like yellow, ye- yellow cards and um, amount of yellow cards in games. And I don't, I don't think it was actually game fixing. It was, it was to do with taking yellow cards and red cards. Yeah. So uh, someone can bet on he, there's going to be five yellows on the game or whatever. Of course. Yeah. Um, so it was all in connection with that. And you know, it was obviously a surprise to all of us. None of us, you know, including Bailey himself. You know, yeah. obviously how it how it's panned out. He was, you know, he was totally innocent and he'd done nothing. So it was a it was a strange one, but you know, it was a, it was a strange old week. Then, you know, all the players got released, and um, we ended up. I think we were playing Bristol City on the Saturday away, yeah. um, and I ended up scoring 
actually in that game, I think a lot of the players were playing. I remember warming up and, um, you know, there were a lot of the Bristol City fans were calling us cheats and stuff like that because by that time it got out into the press. Yeah. Um, and, you know, obviously no one knew the full story. So it was a, it was a bit of a tricky one. But, um, yeah, I ended up sort of scoring and I just did the handcuff celebration as a bit of a joke because obviously we, like I say, we knew, we knew they were all totally innocent. Um, yeah, yeah. And it was all, you know, a case of sort of crosswise, etc. And that's how it transpired. But obviously at the time it was it was not much of a laughing matter. But but by uh, sort of three or four days later, you know, the lads had had a, a chat about it and um, you know, it was a, we could all have a little laugh. But it was a yeah, certainly probably a scary time for them. But yeah, that's where that's mainly where the celebration <laughs> came from. Um, yeah. I think I think that that even um I think it, someone sent me a link to an article that it was in I think it was in the Daily Mail that um that I'd made a controversial gesture during a game um, <laughs> and they were trying, yeah, they were trying to get me done for it with the FA, but um, yeah, nothing, nothing, nothing happened. came of it. No, nothing happened in the end. So it was, um, it was all, uh, it was all okay. Controversial gesture. Yeah, I know. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. So um, in the end it all got thrown out, but it was, um, yeah, certainly a bit of a funny one on the day that they got arrested because no one really knew what was going on yeah I can imagine it being a bit of a weird one it's not not mm. something you'd expect to see in most walks of life never mind no, being, of course. being just in training at, at yeah. a football club yeah exactly yeah it was um, certainly out of the blue just a few questions then before we finish what was the best moment for you from your time at North End um I'd say the best moment was that still with a promotion despite not yeah. playing, you know, that, that the celebrations after that, um, you know, that, that evening and continuing on the next day were, um, you know, some of the best times for me, you know, I'd got promoted with my friends at the end of the day. I'd been, I'd been with a, with a lot of them lads for like three years nearly. Yeah. Um, so I'd grown close to a lot of them. There was a, you know, a good bond that was, was stuck there from, you know, previous seasons, and I'd, I'd certainly say that was probably the, you know, the out, the outstanding moment for me. I mean, on on a personal level, on the pitch, I would probably say my my debut goal against Huddersfield. Um, yeah, I scored not long into it, and I remember actually, obviously, the bookies didn't really know what position I was playing, so I remember being thirty three to one for first goal score, and I remember starting up front. Um, and I know a lot of my friends probably put money on it, and I ended up scoring first. <laughs> so I won them a bit of money. I won them a bit of money, and uh, and obviously scored on my debut and got man of the match. So that yeah. that was obviously really pleasing on a personal level because, you know, like I say, when you step up, when you step up so many leagues, you you know you back your ability, but you're always not you know you're not proven, so you're not quite sure how it's going to go. And yeah, you know it's obviously pleasing to get off to such a good start. Um, who is the best player that you played with at North End? Um, attacking player, I'd probably say Joe Garner. Um, you know, he was he was in such good form those two seasons. You know, he's not a big lad, um, but defenders just couldn't handle him at that level. And you know, that season he was on fire. I remember, I remember the Fleetwood game when we were two 0 down at half time, and yeah, you know, he just he just dragged us from from nowhere and won the game with a hat trick, three two. And um, yeah, so I'd certainly say attacking wise, Joe Garner. Um, defensively. I'd probably put Bailey Wright and Tom Clark on a on an even keel. You know, they they despite obviously being younger than me, they both taught me quite a lot about the game from not necessarily speaking wise, just from watching them both. Uh, yeah. You know, the way they defended and um I, I certainly know that if I was a striker I wouldn't really want to play against either of those two. Um if you could go back and give yourself some advice from when you were at North End, what would it be, if any at all? When I get dropped, just don't say nothing. Just carry on, tra- <laughs> carry on training, and don't ever go in and see see the manager in his office. I'd say, um, yeah, maybe that, and maybe probably a few less nights out. I, you know, I didn't mind a little night out. Like I say we had quite a few lads that were a single at the time and b living local. So yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we used to go out quite a lot in Manchester and out in Preston and Lytham, etc. So I don't think um, you know, and obviously in a in a city like that, word gets around nothing. You know, Alan Brown's even got a song about Beluga now, so I think you know it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't stay secret for too long. So I probably had you know one or two too many nights out in my time there, and you know I probably probably should have uh, kept my head down a little bit more than I did. But you know, on a personal level, I you know that that sort of contributed me to enjoying my time so much. You know, I enjoyed yeah. it on the pitch, but 
off the pitch as well. You know, had some bond great times. And... Yeah, I had some great times with some good friends. You know, it, it was never a dull moment. So we we lived with Connor and Bailey, and in in the end, Alan Brown moved in as well. And um, I say John Massino and Joe Byron Madonna Road, and you know, we had a we had a real good squad of of lads that socialised off the pitch as well as on it. So yeah. uh, you know. The clubs that I've been, I always find, you know, to an extent, you, you need that. Um, if you're friends, not just, um, you know, colleagues, it really helps. Yeah. Have you got any any stories or any memories that stick with you from your time at North End? That maybe um, are, um, not common knowledge, but, you, you know, just little things that, that, that stand out to you? Yeah. Um, nothing particular. I mean, I remember, <laughs> I remember one time with Graham Wesley, we had... Um, we had a boxing coach that used to come in on a Thursday, a um, professional boxer who'd come from down south, used to drive up and, and come in and he used to work individually with certain players and how those players were selected would, would depend on A, how you played and B, what your personality was like. So if Graham thought you were maybe too shy or a bit timid on the pitch, he would put you in with a boxing coach or if you thought you had a stink at a week before, he would put you in with a boxing coach. So you'd get in on a Thursday. Um, and you would you would see your name on the list to be with a boxing coach. Um, so I was in with him a few times actually. I remember the first time I went in, and it this is tough. Like this is just one on one sparring, like not yeah. not full out sparring, but like jab for jab. And um, you know, I I hadn't done any boxing previous to this, so I'm so I've gone in. Um, we're, in we're on the little astro turf area in the training ground and put your head guard on, put the gloves on. And this guy's like, he's a, he's not small. He's about six foot. He's, he's a bit slighter than me in, in frame. Um, and he probably thought, right, oh, I'm going to hurt this guy. I'm going to hurt this guy. And Graham has obviously told him to rough us up a bit. That was the whole point of it, to try and tell yeah, us yeah. up. Um, or punishment, either or. Um, and I remember we went jab for jab. And I, it was literally you jab, he jabs. And his, about his third or fourth jab I, uh, my guard was terrible and he just ploughed one straight through the middle onto my nose and my nose just split in half um, <laughs> claret everywhere and I just remember thinking Jesus this is a, I ain't having a bad game again here this is the last thing I need um, and, it, and it was actually lunchtime the lads had finished their weights and stuff because we used to have weights in the morning then lunch then training in the afternoon real weights or, or yeah yeah yeah, no, yeah both uh, <laughs> time we had the real weights we had about 30 sets of 15 kg dumbbells um so yeah so i, walk, I remember walking into the uh, into the canteen and the lads just burst out laughing so this big skinhead lad had just come in and got no sp- <laughs> split all over his face i was bleeding everywhere um so that was uh hey, that wasn't wasn't ideal um i remember uh, one of my first days actually under graham was a pre-season and the same guy, the the, uh, the boxer, he um he had a load of jerry cans lined up on the on the pitch. Um, and Graham just said, "Look, you with uh you with Gary today." So everyone's everyone's run out on the pitch. Got, I think it was about fifteen, might have been twelve or fifteen jerry cans, all full of water. You know these aren't green army jerry cans. Yeah. Um, and we ended up doing a session with him that lasted three hours non-stop on the bobble. So you weren't allowed to walk or stop. Um, you had to carry one of these jerry cans between two and it was literally just press ups, sit ups, running jerry cans up and down the training ground for three hours. I remember Jesus. the, the uh, that, I think that was the second day and I remember the youth team coming in for training at like six and we were still out on the training pitch running around with these jerry cans. So it was, that was certainly, uh, yeah, well I'd obviously heard stories of that going, that was a baptism <laughs> of fire, a lot, a lot of the lads that signed were uh, signed from other League One clubs and League Two, etc. So they they obviously were a bit more used to what full time training was, but because yeah, I was obviously yeah. new, new to it, I didn't really didn't really um, find it too strange. But a lot of the lads, yeah, it was a it was a bit of a rude <laughs> awakening for a lot for a lot of the lads. Um, so yeah, that was another tricky one. What was oh, I remember Jeff uh, Jeff Monacana actually. Graham used to make us wear shin pads in training because obviously he wanted he wanted people to put tackles in, and and Jeff. Uh, Jeff, I remember shining out of a few tackles from time to time, and anyway, Graham had had enough, so we had a we had a meeting um, just before training, and he said, "Look, I don't, I'm fed up of people pulling out of tackles, this, that, and the other. Like, I want people going through people. This is game situation." Um, and we got out on the pitch, and Jeff, obviously, you know, Jeff is a really talented lad, and he 
he just tackling is not really his thing. We yeah. we uh we were playing a small sided game and Jeff has absolutely folded Nicky Rowe like two footed tackle like straight red in a game without a doubt. Um, <laughs> Nicky's got up trying to scrap him. He's lost the head. Um, and Graham's just laughing at the side and he did, he did literally all he said was Jeff get yourself in mate. He sent him off from training. Um, and at the, and at the, so he's he's trudged off in and he's like I, he was like I think when I, when we walked in he was like I don't know what he wants from me so he's obviously he's obviously put his first tackle in anyway so we did uh, we used to do a lot of core work um, Graham used to take like core sessions after training last thing he used to do like five hundred sit ups five hundred press ups all that sort of stuff um, anyway he's made so we were in a circle and he's, he's as a, as an apology from Jeff he's made Jeff um we were all doing our sit-ups and crunches and stuff. And he's made Jeff do a headstand against the wall and stand on his head while we're, while we're doing all these sit-ups and press-ups. Jeff just don't know what's going on. He's, he's like falling down on his arms and everything. And the rest of the lads are just like, wow, just shaking their heads and stuff. But that's just yeah. things like that used to, yeah, things like that used to happen quite a lot to be honest. It's, it's, it's out of the norm, let's say. Yeah. The, the thing with Graham, he used, to, he used to like testing you mentally. He's got a yeah. degree in in psychology so he used to like to sort of get in people's heads and see how they reacted and stuff and obviously Jeff being a young lad and different lads they used to react a lot differently to a lot you know a lot of things but um, you know them you know little stories like that sort of happen all the time obviously forget from time to time what what goes on on a training pitch there's always little scuffs and stuff Um, you know we certainly you know a lot of the stories we probably had from nights out and stuff and you know good times with that but yeah yeah, they're, they're the sort of main ones that stand out <laughs> to me at the moment. And, you know, you can look back on it now and laugh. And um, at the time, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't enjoyable to do a lot of the weights and stuff that we used to do. And, um, you know, walking the dumbbells around the gym and on obstacle courses and all that sort of stuff. But, um, you so look one day you, were, you weren't knackered when it came to three o'clock on a Saturday? Uh, well, at times, you sort of did feel like that. You know, you had a you had a basic level of fitness which yeah. probably exceeded most other most other you know most other teams um you you know you had that that sort of fitness where you could just go on and on and on but you, sometimes in games you didn't quite feel as sharp as what you wanted to you know you'd get yeah. to a game on a saturday and he would Graham would always say before the warm ups warm up don't wear out and a lot of the lads sort of i know felt half sluggish before the games um yeah. he would always say that you know your fitness levels would carry you through in the second half 70 minutes onwards we'd we'd run all over teams and stuff but um you know i certainly did feel fit but at times i didn't quite feel as sharp as what i what i'd felt previously yeah um yeah so that was that was sort of my overriding memory with with um you know playing the game it was it, it was uh it was enjoyable and you, I, you know i can look back on it now and laugh at it all and but at the time, it was uh, it was quite. Yeah, you don't think about it that way, do you? When you're, no, when you're in it. <laughs> no. Um, so last one then. If you could put a five-a-side team together from people that you've played with in your career, who would be in it? And you can include yourself or not. No, no, I wouldn't be anywhere near it. I'd just be. I'll be on the sidelines just watching. I think. Um, okay, so in goal, I would have. I'd probably have Sam Johnson. I thought. I thought he was probably the best best keeper I've played with. Um, in my time, he was, he was, what I liked about him, he was so, he did everything so simple. He did, he wasn't extravagant. He didn't want yeah. it to be about him. He, he came for crosses. His kicking was good. He was a good shot stopper. Um, and I just felt that what I would want as a manager from a, from a keeper, he, he was everything in it. He was, I say, he didn't want it all to be about him. He didn't want people to think he's a brilliant keeper, but he just did the basics right. And he, you know, he, and he was a brilliant keeper. And, yeah. um, you know, he's obviously doing really well at, at West Brom now. And, yeah. Um, you know, a good lad as well. No, you know, no thrills, et cetera, but just steady and, and very good. Um, back to, I'm going to say, I suppose, I probably got to put Clarkie in there. A bit of, you know, a great leader. Probably, you know, you don't concede too many goals with him pulling at the back. So um, he goes in there. Ooh, or maybe I want a little ball playing centre half. Probably. Who would I go with for that? Hmm. I probably put Lady in there. Um, I saw obviously Lady's career has sort of been mid up and down, but I. Saw, you know, he could pretty much do everything. He was a, he was a good tackler. He was good in the air. He could score goals. He could get forward. <laughs> um, he was good in the changing rooms. 
um, you know, good around the lads, good for morale and stuff. He's a positive guy. And, yeah. Um, so I think he would complement it nicely with Clark. He just uh, sat back there and him pushing on. Yeah. Yeah, of course. And it's a, you know, it's a real shame for Scott that he's, his career, um, you know, sort of tailed off a little bit when he broke his leg and then obviously he came back and played a lot of games for the club still. But um, I didn't feel we ever saw the best of him, you know, mm-hmm. what, what we did see before he broke his leg. Um, <clears throat> midfield, I'm putting, I'm going to put Alan Brown in there in centre mid. Um, just the progression that I've seen in his game from, from my time from first knowing him to now is, um, you know, as far exceeded what I expected. He, he's got everything. Um, I remember Simon, Alan actually came, came back home one day and, and said, uh, he said Simon Grayson had told him he was going to replace Welshie as a, as a holding midfield. And, I remember saying to him at the time, I said, I think you've got too much legs for that. You know, his athleticism is, is second to none. He can get up and down, up and down all day. He's quick. Yeah. Um, he's good on the ball. He's, he's brave. He's good in the air. And I always said to him, I think that's not you. That I, th- I think you're wasted like that. Um, and it's, it's turned out to be correct, really. He's, he's playing, obviously, a bit more advanced with Preston. I know he's, yeah. he's shifted around a little bit as well, but... Um, as a box-to-box midfielder, probably the you know the best I've played, but the most talent, and I'm sure that you know he's going to play in the Premier League one day without a doubt. Whether that's yeah. with Preston or with with someone else, I'm not too sure. But um, yeah, certainly you know you'd have him in there in your engine room. <clears throat> I'd have um, old man Galley. I think I'd have to stick him in for his longevity and his, his jokes are pretty bad, but you know he try, <laughs> he tries his best with a banter and. Um, he just quality the quality he's got um you know seconds and then he his delivery of his right foot he, he always had that um i think you've seen you probably that's probably why you saw the best of, of joe garner in those years because galley knew he'd get it on the on the left hand side he'd drop yeah. back in and he put a, put a ball in and he knew guys would be on the end of it and um without that quality coming from that side i don't think you know we would have been as successful as we was um he's been a good player for a number of years and just Whilst he uh, whilst he's scared to death of a tackle, he he um, he balances that off with with his quality on the ball and his yeah. passing range is is, um, is outstanding. And up front, I'm, I'm probably going to have to put Bex in over Garns, but just because Garns' quality in the air is a little bit. But in a five zero, I think I think you need Bex because Bex is just ruthless. Um, he's that guy that just he's frustrating as a teammate because he gives you nothing for. 60 minutes and then when it matters he'll just pop up bang two yeah. three goals um and i think you need that like say it's he, his quality and his he's a big game player um and i think that you've seen that throughout his career and that's yeah. probably why he's played at the highest level he has so that would be my five side team um and i don't think too many would beat that at that level from championship and down yes it's not bad it's not bad <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, unless you've got anything else to say, we can call that a podcast. Okay, perfect, mate. Appreciate um, that, Jake. Yeah, no, much appreciated. Thank you very much. Thanks uh, very much, and hopefully see you all at Deepdale sometime.